to offer me um, an extension on my car warranty. Well, now that you asked, you know, how, how long have you had to owned your car? <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone has to have a side hustle these days. So. another special bonus episode of that record got me high this is another mixtape episode this is where uh we invite special guests and they come on and they give us a 12 song mixtape of songs that that just you know whatever they want to put together that got them high or or that that they love and uh special special guest curated mixtape uh by the way i'm rob elba i didn't mention that that record got me high and i'm really excited uh for the guest we have tonight calling in all the way from athens georgia you know her from the legendary Athens band Pylon, uh, Supercluster, and then now Pylon Reenactment Society, right? That's correct. It's uh, very nice uh, to meet you there, Rob. Yeah, this is Vanessa Briscoe Hay. Now, do you go by the full name, uh, Vanessa Briscoe Hay? I do because, it, well, you know, it's kind of almost like a, um, you know, a Susan Lucci with her soap opera name. Yes. I never really thought about having a career and a stage name. So at first, I, I oh, used right. my uh, first husband's name, Vanessa Ellison. Then I went back to Vanessa Briscoe. Then I got married again. I was Vanessa, you know, hey. So to make sure, you know, people get at least part of it right, I go by Vanessa Briscoe, hey, for things like this. Yeah, it's cool. I like it, though. It sound, it has, you know, it, it, it definitely has a nice uh, flow to it. So it's good. <laughs> I approve. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Vanessa, it's great having you on. And it's great uh, seeing uh, lately that you've just kind of, uh, you know, I, I tell you what, you're like one of the people I, I know that just got that that just got it right as far as, you know, not not necessarily got it right. But it's, you know, sometimes we know, obviously, we know people that I mean, you obviously know people that have made it all the way to the top in whatever, you know, career they decide to do. But but they also know that's kind of a like winning the lottery or something. It's a million to one. But uh, some people make that the goal and then they end up feeling like they failed or they didn't have, you know, they didn't have as good a life as they should have. But what I love is like you guys, uh, Pylon, right from the start, you just were in it for the art and for the fun. And you even said, you know, we just want to do this for a little bit. And and, and I feel like you've done that through now. And that's what you're doing now with Pylon uh, Reenactment Society, too. Right. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, people could call us out on our business decisions but right. every one of them we made together and uh i feel like they were good life decisions because would i you know have children would i be able to afford him you know if i hadn't become a registered nurse you know right um I, would i have been in a band in the first place if i had gone to art school um it's you know it hasn't been exactly an easy um, boat ride, 
but uh, you know, it's been an interesting one, and I saw enjoyed it. Yeah, well, that you know, that's the cliche that it's the journey. It's all about the the journey, right? And uh, yeah, you obviously have had a really interesting journey, and it's great that um, that you know you got to be uh, at, at various times uh, in your life. You guys uh, would still come back, and you'd get reappreciated when uh, I, I uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about it as we go through some of your picks too, because I think I'm sure some of your picks have something to do with this whole journey you've been on, right? Yeah, maybe so. But you know, like when I told you when I sent you this list. I love music of all types, and uh, depending on what day it was, the list might be different. Oh, it would it be different, It might have some right. of the same bands, but it might have different songs or, you know, whatever. And it was very, very difficult to narrow it down to just <laughs> right. 12. Right, but it's good. So, I'm glad. I'm thank glad. you for that. <laughs> no, I'm glad you ended up going with your original 12 off the cup because that's good because you actually gave me a really long list after that. I'm going to put in the episode notes, I'll put the whole, uh, Vanessa's whole playlist in there, just a whole bunch of other great songs. But it's good. You know, you sometimes, obviously, it's not your be all end all list, but it's just the list you came up with. And I'm sure every one of these songs uh, is really special to you. So let's, uh, all right, let's get in the mixtape. You started out, now, so this right away is interesting to me because you didn't do a Beatles song, but you chose a George Harrison song. Well, um, you know, I like John Lennon a lot, but from the time I can remember the Beatles, for some reason, George was my favorite. Okay. And I I don't know what it was about him, um, but he was my favorite. I think maybe because I was a bit of a shy person and he kind of came off that way a little bit. I felt like I maybe identified with him a little. Yeah, and he if was you the, see a, a picture of me in the, <laughs> in the seventh grade, I had my uh, hair cut in the female version of the Beatles hair deed, which was called uh, the Ladybug. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe you could uh, so actually, <laughs> <laughs> dig up a, a pic of you in a little with the Ladybug haircut. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'll find. I'll dig up that picture and send it. Right, but. Awesome. Uh, You know, I remember this song, well, the Beatles broke up in, um, I guess it was early 1970, isn't that correct? Paul decided he he was going to leave the band and announced that, and it was after, if I'm remembering correctly, in 69, there was a whole bunch of garbage about Paula's dead. You know, they even had a fake trial on the Atlanta TV station right, presenting right. the evidence as to whether Paul was dead or not. <laughs> <laughs> and I I mean I like I liked them all, but George was my favorite. Yeah. And uh all right, he awesome. just blew my mind, you know, in high school. Um I was sixteen years old um when I started hearing songs from his um, triple album, All Things Must Pass, on the radio. You know, first it was My Sweet Lord. I got the single, Ward Out. And then um, this song came out. And it was just something about it that I just really loved. And I think it's because it has uh, so many different interesting parts to it. You know, like it starts out with the first time guitar. It sounds like it's going to kick into something different, you know, like maybe a Rolling Stones song. Right, right. And then it <laughs> it glides into this beautiful, perfect, large, spacious sounding song. And 
I, I couldn't tell what it was about. I thought it was about maybe love and then, you know, somebody he loved. And then, um, you know, later on, as I got older, I realized it might be about a higher, higher power. Right. Um, but the more I found out about, you know, his life and the recording of it, you know, he um, was very well respected by uh, musicians and uh, he played on a lot of different things. He got them to playing with the band and Dylan, I think the year before, and you know, before the breakaway. I mean, if you see that Beatles documentary, he almost left the Beatles first. Right, right, right. You know, because they weren't listening to him and that, you know, he had all this great material and uh, uh, that was kind of sad, but it worked out because this is a great. I, I, I can't. This is one of the songs that I can't really picture as a Beatles song. You know, it just sounds like a George Harrison song. But yeah, let's listen to it. It just just that opening riff. Just that riff is like, so great. What I feel, I can't say. really is and uh um you know there's got a i don't know there's something about the percussion that's really great and yeah well well vanessa you know in 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 like reading about it, I never knew till just this week reading about it that Phil Spector was involved with the uh, with the recording of the backing tracks and everything. And now, when you listen to it, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think that late uh, later times, uh, George, when he went back to uh, re- remaster it, he wanted to actually re um, mix it, but the label wouldn't let him do it because, right. you know, it, was, it had been such a humongous hit, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what their thinking was, but um, Phil Spector put a lot of reverb on this sucker. You know, <laughs> <Yep. is, laughs> but it works on this song. It does. Because, um, I, it's, it's, you know, it's bigger sounding or whatever. You know, it's also got that drive in there that you hear in a lot of 60s songs where, uh, uh, the hi hat and the tambourine or in sync, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that monster tambourine, that like drives the song, really. That tambourine is, is great. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. It is. So, anyway, I love, you know, I, I love listening to the radio, you know, in high school. And this was one of my favorites when it would come on. 
It's got that real bouncing beat, you know? Right. I found myself kind of dancing around a little bit while you were just playing that clip. <laughs> nice. Well, of course. How could you not, right? Uh, <laughs> all right. So now, and uh, this next one, right around the same time, a little like a year earlier when it was released, I don't know, Space. you picked uh, Space Oddity by David Bowie, but I'm wondering, do you think you maybe heard it at that then, or did you maybe hear it a little bit after that when you first heard it? Well, I didn't hear it when it was first released. I don't think too many people did. Right, they yeah, that's true. They rushed it into, you know, um, uh, the the moon landing in July 1969. The label was like, whoa, we've got a song that'll go along with that. Oh, right. Let's get this out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after his fifth record, Ziggy Stardust, in 1972, is when it was a radio hit here. And that's when I first heard it. I hadn't heard Ziggy Stardust yet, but I backtracked my way through, you know, that and some of his earlier stuff um, after I heard that. Yeah, this is like one of those tracks that you hear it and you you, can't forget it. You know, it just immediately grabs you because it sounded so, even then, when you heard it, it still sounded so different than so much. Uh, All right, let's listen to a little bit of Space Oddity. Ground control to Major Tom Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ground control to Major Tom Commencing countdown engines on Three, two, check ignition and may God's love be with you. amazing things i always think about this song is that we we like stopped it but there's still there was like already two hooks and there's like two more hooks in it this song has like so many hooks in it you know but it and it's still it's such a unique arrangement and everything but it's still it's got all these great hooks it does and um you know uh, i believe he originally wrote this on acoustic 12 12 string guitar right because it was going to be folk he he was originally more like a folk singer right yeah, he's what they would call psych fake now. Right. Um, because, right. <laughs> and he was trying, you know, through his early career, he tried on all kinds of hats, I think. But yep. uh, um, 
it's just a brilliant song. Um, years ago, um, this British um, guy told me, older guy in the record business, he said, well, a great single has to have hummability, and it has to have the ability for a teenage boy to sit on his um <laughs> um, in his bedroom on his bed and play it on his acoustic guitar and so i think this has that right but it's right. also so crazy and outer spacey yeah <laughs> yes, it, <laughs> it is but it's great so now we get roxy music which now you know the thing is were you like because did you really listen to this much cool music when you were that when you were young or was this just what you got to hear like because because i'm wondering like i didn't i don't know i grew up in queens new york but i didn't get to hear roxy music to like much later well um when i came to uga and um 1973 when I was a freshman um that fall um a group of girls and I went and saw uh, a guy that we just met at a party down where all the smart kids you know they had them in the same t- you know the dorms and oh, the boy, yeah. com- community and <laughs> he was like one of the major brains and um his name was John Seawright and we were kind of like Wow, he was this guy, he's like six foot five, wearing a black cocktail dress and a blonde wig, a platinum blonde wig. And we became intrigued with him. Um, And uh, he was one of the first guys that we met. He was not really a transvestite, but was aware of that whole glitter area era that was going on. Already was listening to Bowie some and he had on uh, this album um from their debut uh, record which had been released i guess just the year before and when i heard this song it just blew my mind you know we would actually listen to records together as a group and um you know it starts out he's just singing about you know what it's like to be younger than he Sounds like he's singing about like middle age or something with kind of like this detachment to it, you know, uh, worldly weariness or whatever. Right. And then after all this great guitar work, you know, by Phil Manzanera, it breaks into this really cool part about, um, you know, uh, shaking your ponytail when you were young. And I just love that song. I wish I could have seen him live. I have found some things on YouTube where the song was even more extended, you know, than the recording. And you can see how oh. uh, really wild for the time that they look. I mean, yeah, you know, well, it, it is. It, it It's crazy. I didn't realize till really listening to it a lot this week that it starts out kind of jaunty. It almost sounds country, like a jaunty country is. And it just gets like progressively like darker and more powerful as it goes on. And it's really, uh, you know, when you listen to it like that and really pay attention, it's amazing. Uh, you know, it really is. It is. I think it's one of the most amazing songs of all time. And uh <laughs> It really, really, I know there's a lot of them out there, but this one always comes back to being one of my favorites.
Um, all right. So, yeah. let, <laughs> so let's, uh, this next one here, we have a Patti Smith song and kind of surprised me like the one you picked because obviously there's a few different maybe Patti Smith songs that I would have thought you would have picked. Maybe not this one, uh, but it's great. Uh, let's listen to it a little and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm gonna just go out on a limb and guess that, like for you, for for a young girl like you, that's like into art and that, but also into rock and roll. Like this is perfect for you, right? Because it's poetry, but it's also really rock and roll. Oh yeah, and uh, you know I really like to dance barefoot. It kind of spoke to me, but also, you know, besides you know the uh, the art and the poetry element. Um, I could identify with that as a young girl was talking about the mysteries of womanhood, many of which I hadn't experienced yet, you know, like uh, childbirth and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but uh, um, the production is amazing. It's, it's not a crazy production, but it's very pristine. And uh, I was um, interested to find out later on after I'd heard that, that it was uh Produced by Todd Rundgren, you know, he was well known as a producer. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. It's got a, just a very, uh, it's a very strip. It's stripped down, but everything sounds perfect in in its place. That strumming guitar just at the beginning. Yeah, it's like uh, pristine is a good word for it, I think, because it's not overdone, overproduced, but it just sounds really great. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, she was trying to be more radio friendly with this record um this is wave in 1979 of course you know the big record i guess that i first heard was horses and uh right right that was uh you know an amazing record but you know as far as a single that you put on a mixtape i think this was a perfect choice for me yeah of yeah. the goddess <laughs> patty smith yep <laughs> Oh, it's great. All right. And now we get, uh, I mean, obviously, how could you not put uh, put a song by the B-52s? Uh, this is a great one. Let's listen to it, a little bit of it. And then, uh, of course, I'm sure you have a lot to talk about. This is Dance This Mess Around. <laughs> Held my 
I'm fading it before poor Fred comes in, but you know, it, <laughs> I could play. I could still well, play yeah. it underneath. <laughs> but yeah, I right. play it uh, until uh, you know they get to the um, dances part. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay, Vanessa, this is what I'm thinking. So, me as a kid from the suburbs, I never forget the first time I saw them. I actually, they were on Saturday Night Live on uh, in uh, in January 1980. They played Rock Lobster in this song. And just being blown away, but I can't even imagine for you like these are your peers, and you're seeing them, and they're coming up, and just I just can't even imagine. So give me a little, <laughs> give me an idea what it was like. Well, I wasn't at their first couple of shows, but uh, being in art school, I heard about them, and they were like they were finally going to play in a club in town and uh, called the Last Resort, and. Uh, you know, all of my classmates and a lot of friends that we knew for parties, we went there um, to this club. And I believe this is one of the early songs that they did. But what um, impressed me so much about this particular song was Cindy Wilson's willingness to just lay it all out there. Oh, my God. I and know. And just be so raw and immediate. You know, I mean, I, there's... Nobody else, I think, that does this in a pop song. Um, she, it, this is just so real sounding. Yeah, um, it's got like <laughs> it's got a theme that you hear maybe in many country sound songs and old child ballads and whatever. You know, the other woman. You know, um, you know, give me back my man, and then um, they segue into this great. Thing where they're talking about doing all these different various dances <laughs> yeah. and they would actually do different dances you know as they're um, saying them I mean right. they just totally blew my mind and I was um hooked on them the first time I saw them they were great oh yeah I'm sure I, I, I can great just, I can imagine. right out of the <laughs> and you know, one thing I noticed what I was going to say, I noticed just about uh, most of the songs you picked were ones that you could really dance to, too. So I'm sure I, I have a feeling that's just kind of in your wheelhouse, like, uh, you know, things that, that you could do, move to, you know, songs to make you move. Move to and bounce. And, yeah. you know, um, being a painter, you don't want something uh, unless it's maybe early in the morning after you had a couple of cups of coffee. You you want something that's going to keep it moving. Right. <laughs> At least I do. <laughs> yeah. At least I do. So I don't like fall asleep with a brush in my hand. Right. Right. So right. Um, yeah, that's so. Uh, do you remember? I was wondering because not many people. Uh, I've talked to people. They don't remember. Do you remember when they were on Sunday Live? Uh, that when they did it. Because I, I, this song in particular, I remember because they cut away while they were still playing it. I guess it was too long, and they went to a commercial while they were still playing this song. Right. Right. Um, well, it must have. You know the. Uh, album came out in um 1980 so it must have been about when it came out right um i i can't i can't give you a date that's something i guess that could be easily looked up well the, yeah uh, the sunlight live was yeah it was january 26 1980 and and like i said i do remember seeing it live but it's hard you know that stuff it's hard to even see now and and also it's so sad because it's hard to remember it's hard to imagine a show like that actually taking a chance on a brand new band crazy band like that now you know they just wouldn't do it yeah yeah and um uh, it was great actually a whole bunch of us gathered in 
um, some friends who had the Yellen TV, you know, uh, being art students, a lot of us didn't have uh, a television, right. you know, to be honest. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we might have the stereo, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the pre-cable days. So we were uh, all, like a whole bunch of us, watching this little tiny black and white TV. And the um, it was called the Cop Institute, which is where uh, some members of uh, method actors um, lived and, uh, um, you know, artists like Nanette Consovoy, who ended up moving to Germany. Uh, so that, <clears throat> we were just glued to it, watching it. It was yeah. like, Oh That's no, great. they're cutting into the song and yeah. running credits or whatever. <laughs> oh man, That's you great, saw though. that too. I did. And they did that little <laughs> little symbol at the end of it, you know. But I guess leave them wanting more. I know? guess, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a strong memory though. I remember when I was a kid, my parents would let me stay up to watch Saturday Night Live. I, I used to love it and I saw a lot of great, uh, performances. All right. So you picked, I was really happy that you picked a Ramon song. Cause I don't know if you know or not, but they are my all time favorite band. <laughs> and, uh, you of course picked a great song, uh, from Road to Ruin. Everyone knows it. Let's listen to it. I want to be sedated. this song the only thing i think of is even though now like i said most all our friends know it a lot of people know it they'll play it on classic radio even but how when you listen to it how was this not when it came out not like a huge hit single like you know because i mean what what else could you do in it to make it a hit single it's like perfect it is and uh it's you know uh radio at the time was still full of a lot of uh, arena acts and whatever although um Bands like uh, Blondie um, were breaking, you know, the charts there. I think this actually did chart, but I don't remember hearing it on commercial radio down here. I do remember hearing it on the student station. Right. Um, here on WUOG. Um, but uh, I, went, I saw um, the remains. Uh, I saw them. They must have been touring for Raid to Ruin. I saw them in February of 19, no, January 1979, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that, that would be Road to Ruin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, January 1979. And um, just like less than a month later, I was asked to come and join Pylon. Um, well, actually, audition for Pylon. And then I guess they liked 
at least that I put forth some effort and like me as a person. So I was invited to come on in. Um, but we were all at that show and my friend Rhonda and I were right up front through oh, nice. two bands that we really didn't like <clears throat> that much, although they were good bands and there was nobody out there besides us and a few other pet people like right in front of the stage. Cause we want to be in front of the stage when the Ramones play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, when they came out, everybody rushed the stage and we were getting crushed. I mean, I came, when I came home, I saw that I was bruised from, you know, uh, my whole um, front of my body was bruised and girls were trying to climb over my back to get in front, <laughs> you know, to Johnny Ramone, who was right in front of me. He gave me a guitar pick, which I still have. Are you serious? That's awesome. (laughs) I know. I still have it. And then, uh, you know, later on, my first husband and me and my friend Rhonda, we were like, we want to meet him. We want to say hi. And so we went to the back door of the Agora Theater and uh, knocked on the door. I mean, you know, we were like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And, uh, this guy answered the door and we were just like, we want to meet the Ramones. <laughs> and I said, sure, come on in. And, uh, Oh God, it, it's we, like we a scene from all... rock and roll high school. <laughs> <laughs> it is almost like that. And they signed the t-shirt oh, I had nice. on uh, for me. It was just like a white t-shirt. I don't know what happened to it, uh-huh. but, um, <laughs> they were extreme, extremely nice. They were all, you know, it wasn't like, some wild party thing right. going on down right, there. They right. were just like all standing around talking to different people and we got to meet all of them. And then, oh, that's awesome. you know, we <laughs> left and it just, it just completely made uh, our lives at that point. Right. We loved the Ramones. Oh, that's great. And I'm glad, and it just makes me happy to hear that you're a, a fan of the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So now, now we get to a band that I, I really feel is sort of like a kindred to uh, Pylon, to your band. Uh, a gang of four and I, I you know I, I figured I, I know you have different connections with them but just it, it, it just makes sense and uh, this this song is is, uh, is is one that perfectly I think just sums up them with the genius about them you know the whole uh, you know it's funky but it's still really hard and then you got like political lyrics but not totally and it's just great so let's listen to Damage Goods So 
Vanessa, I didn't mean, I'm just kind of putting words in your mouth, but do you, would you agree that musically at least that you guys were kind of a kindred spirits to a gang of four, Kylan? Oh yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, there's kind of something that was in the air of that era, but ended up being labeled uh, post-punk. Um, right. At that time, that term wasn't used. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> just say, say it was called the new music. This new music. Have you heard this new music? And uh, they were one of the bands um, that that single um, uh, had a red label. I had um, this song was the A side, and then the B side had Armalite Rifle and uh, Love Like Anthrax, which I almost picked that instead of this right, one. Right, but also this is great. Uh, <laughs> maybe almost uh, more danceable. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> our. Our connection with the Gang of Four goes back very early. Um, after the B-52s had encouraged us to play in New York, and one of their friends helped us get our first booking at a club in um, New York called uh, Hurrah. And we were um, given the incredible opportunity, you know, um, to just pick who we wanted to open for. And... Uh, they uh, said, how about this band? And we were like, no, I don't think so. Well, what about this one? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they said, well, what about the Gang of Four? And we were like, yeah, 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 yeah. We love them. We played that single all the time at our parties. And uh, so uh, we uh, we got booked there. And then um, wow. um, the guy, uh, you know, this guy, um from the method actors, Vic Varney helped us get some other bookings so we could have like a little mini tour. And so on the basis of that, he called up clubs and said, I have this band from Georgia who were opening for the gang of four in New York. Would you like to book them? Oh, and <laughs> that's awesome. So he got, he got us a booking in Philadelphia, like two nights before opening for the gang of four and then also added a Boston date with, with uh, some other bands. And uh, we uh, got up there to Philadelphia. You know, we loaded in and sound checked and we played our first set and people were like, eh, you know, they weren't really paying that much attention to us because they were waiting for the Gang of Four, you know. Right. And so <laughs> the Gang of Four hadn't even shown up to load in but you know we didn't know how those things worked and the manager you could see him get more and more nervous and finally got a phone call um we're stuck in the holland tunnel um but we'll be there and uh so he came to us and he said uh hey will you guys play that set again <laughs> and uh <laughs> because by then people were starting to get like antsy you know, yeah like a little antsy, antsy <laughs> right. like what's going on we paid all this money to see the gang of four and yeah. they're not here and so we played uh we said we only know these ever how many songs right because that's all we had then yeah, of course and i said he said play it again <laughs> so we did <laughs> and this time they responded you know, oh nice they seemed to like it <laughs> Yeah, they were like, "Well, what else is going on? We'll pay attention." No, and they already kind of and they already kind of knew some of the songs, though. So. <laughs> yeah, they were like, they knew what was going to happen, you know. That's great. And so, 
here they came in just as, you know, the fire um, marshal was showing up and is talking to the uh, club manager or owner, whoever the heck he was, about shutting the show down. Because all these people just spilled out into the streets and um, it was like almost like a near riot situation, you know, like 250 people out there. Oh, wow. And so uh, the Gang of Four blew in and they put this big bottle of whiskey down in the middle of the table in the dressing room. They all had on leather jackets. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> they immediately, you know, started setting up and the drummer found out that our drum, who our drummer was, I said, Hey, I don't have time, you know, to set up my drums. Is it okay if I play yours? And Curtis is like, well, if you want to, you know, it's like a, um, bunch of crap <laughs> you go oh boy and then uh, you go burnham hits his drums yeah. hard too <laughs> yeah they were so bad that you know they they kept breaking you know he just like pieced them together from yeah. different sets sort of like frankenstein or right. something and he actually wanted to run them over in the middle of the street in new york um but i think somebody actually ended up with them but <laughs> You know, with the van, he's like, yeah, 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 let's put him in the street and run over. So anyway, they blew in um, their stage people, actually set up and adjusted cans, like within five minutes so they could have that, you know, upward light, you know, and that look you know, right, for right. the gang of four. Yep. And they kept like 25, 30 minutes before this club was going to be ordered shut down. I mean, the, I think the police had come too. So it was getting kind of exciting. And they played the best show I've seen by anybody oh, wow. ever wow. that night. You know, like went through 25, 30 minutes and it was awesome. Yep. And then uh, two days later, we opened for them in New York and, uh, um, the drummer, he go walked over at Curtis and said, <clears throat> there's not much room on the stage for two sets of drums. Would you like to play mine? Because back then, <laughs> um, the, <laughs> the, the headliner didn't take their kits off the stage. Right. You just have to, to set, set up, up in front, front of them. them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Curtis was like looking over there. I, I don't know what kind of drums they were, but they were brand new and like sparkly. Uh, I mean, not sparkles, but you know, they were yeah, just like yeah. so shiny, new, pristine drums, probably Rogers or something. I don't know. But Curtis was like, oh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll yeah. drive your Rolls Royce. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wow. Look at you guys. Not bad. Not not bad for a band that was just going to go to New York and then break up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was are... it was so much fun. You know, and it turned out um, this writer from Interview Magazine was there and um, he wrote about us. And uh, wow, that's um, great. It, it was so much fun. We just kept getting little offers to come out there and play. It was like all of a sudden we got on a speeding train or something. Yep. And and it everything kind of came full circle because Palon Reenactment Society. Didn't you guys played recently with the Gang of Four? Uh, just recently. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was great. Oh, it was so much fun. I mean, we miss Andy, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was still just wonderful. It was great to see Sarah Lee. Um, yep. Had taken over playing bass years ago after Dave Allen left. So. 
it was just great to actually get to see them again live. And they're just as intense and just as wonderful live. Now. I saw some, yeah, I saw videos from it. It looked awesome. I was, I was really, I was mad that I didn't get to go see any of those shows, but hopefully they'll do some more. Yeah, hopefully they'll come back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So now you picked, uh, this is great. Actually, the, the next two songs are kind of tied together a little bit, but, uh, the first one let's listen to a little bit, uh, a little bit on the edge pick for you, but it's awesome. Uh, Africa, Bombada and Soul Sound, of course. This is Planet Rock. It still sounds like futuristic in a way now, you know? Uh, it's great. It's so good. It's, it's too bad that those guys didn't make a full album. That's all I got to say, because I just love this. So uh, there's a Kraftwerk connection to this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, the two hip-hop artists, you know, uh, Soul Sonic Force and uh, Africa Bambata, um, they bonded... Um, together, I think it's been put um, over uh, making a song using craft work. Um, because back then, um, the hip hop artists, a lot of times, they would uh, use records and they still do um, where they would actually use the actual albums and uh, um, play them or scratch them or whatever. And so they got the idea of using craft work. They may have been the first ones. I'm not sure, but this is the first one I think I paid attention to. You know, like, right. uh, I remember actually hearing this one in New York, you know, at the club. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. Right. You're, you're blown um, away immediately, right? Because it, it d- doesn't sound like really anything else. No. And it's such a great dance song, you know. Um, so, anyway, um, you know, they would kind of hide from each other what scratching, backing records they would use that um, paint over the label or soak it off or whatever. But this one's unmistakable. Right, right. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, you know that's craft work. And I, I heard that they didn't get their permission and actually um, came up with the idea of paying craft work a dollar a record they sold. So I'm sure 
Kraftwerk must have made a tidy sum off of this one. Yeah, they were probably happy with it. You know, I, I always t- I, I tell people this, and, and they find it hard to believe, but the first time I ever heard Kraftwerk was in my... I, I, I grew up in Queens, but my family moved to South Florida, so I went to Miramar. I was a freshman in Miramar High School, and it was like black, a bunch of black students had a, um, it was like, we, it was class, like we, we got to have an off day. So they had a boom box and they were playing Trans Europe Express. And I'd never heard anything like before and I loved it. And, I, and I'm like, what is that? And it was craft work. But I mean, that's the first time I ever heard it. Uh, so yeah, they were definitely ahead of their time picking up on how cool this, you know, the, uh, this sound and, and that music was. Because like you said, at the end of the day, you could dance to it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh this wasn't like uh, Kraftwerk's, you know, um, first trip around the, you know, flap around the stadium. They'd already been putting stuff out for a while. Right, and, right. Um, some of them were involved with Noy and whatever. So they're huge, huge, huge influencers on electronics, synth, and, you know, all that early stuff. And they still sound so fresh, don't they? Yeah, they do. And let's hear it right now. This is your next pick here. It is Kraftwerk the Robots. that I could listen to. Um, this came out actually while I was still in art school in 1978. I mean, 1978 was a really good year for music. And uh, it's the first time I remember hearing a vocal quarter in a song. Right, right. And um, it's very, very danceable, but it also, uh, you're right, it's spooky and uh, those lyrics like... <laughs> <laughs> like what we just heard, we're charging up our batteries. Yeah, yeah. And now we're full of energy. <laughs> they're taking I mean, over. Eventually, they're of... taking over. <laughs> it's just taking them longer than we thought. 
<laughs> it's so great. And I, um, just a few years ago before the pandemic is the first time I actually got to see them. Um, but, uh, oh, you nice. know, way back when, you know, this like, um, they actually had the idea there for, I think they did it at least once in New York where the band themselves didn't actually perform, but they put up life-size um, replicas of themselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that played the whole concert at this big club in New York. Uh, I just remember hearing about that. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when that was, but, I mean, you know, they uh, they checked a lot of boxes for me, you know, right. artistically and, uh, you know, also I just love the music. Right, right, right. All right, so now you brought in a band that I, I've always heard this band, and every time people have played me stuff, I've liked it, LCD Sound System. But I never, I've never, I never owned a record. I, I didn't know this song. Uh, it's a really great song, though, and it's really, and it's kind of a sad song, right? I guess it's it's pretty obvious that it, it's about loss, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he, um, he lost or he was about, but you're right, it's, it's a great, um, song about that and it's kind of wistful i mean yeah you, know, um, you wake up one day i mean the telephone rings you get the news haven't we all been through that although now it's even more immediate you don't even have that personal touch oh god i know twitter the, uh, <laughs> oh god twitter or facebook yeah. like the other day i found out on facebook that Someone I wasn't a close friend with, but who I considered a friend, you know, I found out that they died on Facebook. Oh, Not yeah. that they died right, on right. Facebook, but I found, <laughs> I I found out. <laughs> right, right, right. I found out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. And, uh, but uh, this, uh, you know, we were on that label briefly because James Murphy, um, who was, you know, the singer and main person in LCD Sound System, before that he was a DJ and he'd been playing pylon for years in a set and so um, when they started uh, their DFA label, label um, they wanted to make it their first reissue so uh, they put out um, Gyrate and Chomp as uh, Gyrate Plus and Chomp More oh nice it went out of print very quickly and uh, um you know, they sold, I guess, all the ones they wanted to do or whatever. But uh, in the process of that, that label sent me, like, a box with some um, different versions of their product in there. And this song comes from the record Sound of Silver. And I actually made several paintings listening to this whole album. And... This is my favorite song off the album. Oh, wow. All right, let's listen to it a little bit. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is a beautiful song. Let's listen to it. Just a little bit. Of
simple. They're really simple, but that's what kind of lays it. Just like lays it all, lays the raw emotion of you know of the the feeling of loss, lays it bare that they're so simple and so matter of fact, you know, because that's that's how real real life is, right? It is. It's just the uh, you know loss is uh, something that can you know getting over it uh, can take a long, long time or. You know, in some cases, you never really get over it, but it, it it's just like, you know, you wake up and um, this person's gone, but the world is still continuing. Right. That's funny. It's still on on TV. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. You know, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, yeah, life does go on, but, you know, you still have that feeling of loss, and there is something very... I guess bittersweet about that, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. It is because it uh, that's sort of like what he, I guess he's saying. There's there's all the work that needs to be done. It's it's late for revision. There's all the time and all the planning and songs to be finished. So yeah, like he said, life has to go on, but it's just this like Paul hanging over everything when you have you know lost. Yeah, I think it's a celebration. I thought about doing all my friends, but uh, this one I I like a lot more. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Um, all right, so now you picked, uh, of course, I mean, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, you you would say that, you could say R.E.M. is partially responsible for Pylon uh, when you reunited in 88, right? Could could you say that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say that they were definitely a huge factor because um, they were having, you know, discussions with, like, uh, Michael Lehusky, we think the world of understanding now. Um, I had a my first daughter in early 1987, so 1988, she was like a year and a half or so old, and uh, uh, they were like, no, um, let's try it. Let's, uh, they might be ready for us. And uh, also that movie, uh, Athens, Georgia, Inside Out, had come out in 1987. And uh, another thing that happened is we kept getting fan mail. We kept getting people writing us from like all over the world, right. um, sending us postcards because one of our records said, uh, send us a postcard from your travels. But they'd also, you know, write these uh, really beautiful little sweet letters that went along with them. Uh, so I'd say that uh, REM would have about a third of the credit for us getting back together. Right. And and I was glad that you picked, because you could have picked, obviously, I'm sure you could have picked a whole bunch of R.E.M. songs, and I might have assumed, oh, you'd pick an earlier one, but you picked uh, this song, which is great. I, I love this. This is, uh, to me, this is uh, one of my all-time favorite R.E.M. songs. I, I, it's just so good. And I, I like that you picked a later one, and I'm sure it means a lot to you. But let's listen to it first. Let's listen to the beautiful man on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, there's just something about a band that's already became like one of the biggest bands in the world, and they're already kind of on the other side of that. And a band like that isn't supposed to still make great songs like this, but they did. So I, I just think that's really cool. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this song is, uh, you know, the album, Automatic for the People, um, I guess it came out the year after Pylon broke out. Broke out. Broke out the second time. Right. Uh, and so, but, so I had time to listen to it, but I, I believe I'd already heard them do this at some point on the Green Tour. Um, but um, what's great about it is this, uh, uh, the lyrics, you know, uh, the lyrics and the music work together so well. And it's got that hummability thing that I was talking about earlier. Right, uh, right. People can play this in bedrooms on their guitar. And uh, it's great to sing along with on the radio while you're driving. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is actually. You know, it's funny. I, I just read recently. I read. Uh, I saw an interview with Michael Stipe where he said the one thing. The uh, one of the things he misses about. Uh, touring and playing with R.E.M. is doing this song. He said, because it's so fun to sing and it's easy to sing. So he would love, always love to sing because it's easy and it's so great. You know, because the melody, like you said, it's like easy to sing along to. It's just like perfect, you know? Oh, it is. And, uh, you know, that little Elvis joke in there. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's it's so great. It's such a great song. And I, I love uh, uh, the harmonies on there. Uh, Mike Mills does. It's just everybody does such a good job. Yep. And this, the production is great, great song. Yeah, yeah, it is. So that's why I, I don't know. I, I think some I, some people don't like, don't think that's a good album, don't like it. I don't know. I just never, I, I was on board with R.E.M. from the beginning to the end. I was totally, on, always on board with R.E.M. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. How, how could you not be? Me, me, me too. Good. I, I figured. Well, them. that's because you aren't a, a hater, Vanessa. That's why. I actually <laughs> did see them the first time they played. Um, really? So I can say that. Oh, There's wow. like a ton of people that say they were there. It, um, one of my friends joked, if everybody who says they were there, there would be no way that that church could hold them. No, right. <laughs> oh, okay. But you were there. That, huh? that's, wow, that's amazing. I was. I was well, there. I don't even understand. Well, we could finish up because we're closing off with uh, with another Athens band. What, what, what? I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but what the hell was it about Athens, like Athens at that time that so much great music came out of there? I mean, I know because I'm sure, I know there's other cities and there were great bands too, but I don't know. What do you? There's, there was some kind of magic. Well, yeah, it was kind of magic, and what made it magic was the people. Um, but also at that point in time, it was very affordable. And there was, you know, a, another thing I thought about, um, besides having a, you know, wonderful art school and um, um, a library where you could access movies and um, uh, art books and magazines or whatever was, uh, you know, and these wonderful townspeople is the fact that it was so darn cheap to live here. But that's not true anymore. I mean, we right. still have a great scene, but it's it's gone the way of so many other places. Right. Uh, it's right. uh, just not affordable. Also, the university at that point uh, was a state university, and there were still a lot of you know the rich kids or whatever the high overachievers as you'd like to think of them um, would go out of state to school, but now. They come here, and I doubt if I would even get in, but 
then it was like, right, right. you know, a bunch of people <laughs> who were, you know, yep. you know, they were focused on their lives as opposed to like, you know, torturing their professor to give them a higher grade for their GPA or whatever. Right, exactly, so um, yeah. we were all about, you know, having fun and hanging out. And it was, you know, a, a really, you know, really was magical. Yep. And uh, and you mentioned that documentary. I definitely recommend it, Inside Out. It's awesome. And this is a band that I didn't really know about until seeing that. And uh, this ends out your list. It, it's the Squalls. Na, 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 na. I thought there were, I, I, yeah, I, I knew there was a connection as, <laughs> aside from that, but yeah, you would have put it, oh, you, you would have put it on the, on the list need, regardless. You need, you need that. <laughs> I'm not going to be coy about it, no. but, uh, <laughs> you know, it is, it is one of my favorite songs and, uh, it's maybe good. not my most favorite of theirs, but I thought it might go best with all of these. Um, and I, I wanted to bring it up because they're reissuing product and they're also putting out a live record. Oh, office. good. The, yeah, because this stuff's really hard to find. The, you know, the, the, this is hard. They're hard to find, and they're hard to find even information about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Right. A little, <laughs> a little too, a little too mysterious. You know? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. My husband's probably allergic to self promotion, so uh, I'll, you know. I'll just do a little of it for him right here. You know. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, you're you're a good wife. Vanessa, this was awesome. This was really great. I'm so, uh, I was so happy you agreed to do this and you came up and like I said, in the show notes to this, I'm going to put Vanessa's entire list of songs and I'm going to make a, uh, Spotify playlist of Vanessa's, uh, playlist so you guys can listen to it it's like all great from beginning to end um i mentioned to vanessa before that my daughter Corey, uh she's doing the artwork for the episode and she saw her her playlist and she said that's a really good playlist so 
<laughs> she got the seal of approval, <laughs> which is great. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. And there's so many more that I could have put on of there. Of course. It's just like, <laughs> but you know, this, you were right. Um, I, I think I talked about it with you a little, just, you know, after I talked with you, I was like, I'm just going to go with my first yeah, playlist yeah, right. and, and not obsess <laughs> over this too much. That's it. Don't overthink it. And right? I think it worked out good. <laughs> it worked out know? great. Yeah, no, it's a great list. And so, uh, Vanessa, the best place for people to go see what's going on with you is the Pylon Reenactment Society.com? Yes, I, I would uh, say so. Um, you know, there's also uh, a Pylon Facebook page and I'm on Twitter and all that other stuff to see what I'm actually doing right now, uh, it would be uh, the Polyon Reenactment Society.com um, page to see any upcoming dates or whatever. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's great to see that you're still, that you're doing stuff. And obviously you're just doing it for the for the joy of making music and playing music. And that's great. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be heading the studio soon, so... Look out. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. All right. And uh, don't forget, everyone, uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at, at That Record Got Me High. Also, that Facebook group got me high. On Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. Uh, if you want to email me, TRGMH33 at gmail.com. If you want to become a patron of the show, I'd really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Vanessa, once again, uh, thank you so much for uh, giving me some of your time and doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's just been a lot of fun um, talking to you. Oh, good. I, uh, that's great. Uh, I'm so happy. All right, guys. Thanks again. Oh, guys, I, I did it. I keep saying I got to stop calling everyone guys. Like, uh, you know, my daughters, I have two daughters and I call them guys all the time. And I call them guys. Well, uh, <laughs> what area of the country are you originally from? New that, York. I think they do that in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and whatnot. I know, guess so, guys. Yeah, I'm from Queens, but yeah, I don't know. You're from Queens, so <laughs> they do it there too. They so. do. They goodbye, do. Get, goodbye, everyone. Everyone. We'll see you all uh, <laughs> next time. Thanks again, Vanessa. I'm Rob Albert. We're out of here.